Hello and welcome to a Monday edition of Locked On Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News. Make sure to follow Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get podcasts for episodes every day, Monday through Friday. We're bringing back the mailbag today. We will have more in our exit interview series later in the week and also be on the lookout for a special guest later in the week. But we kick off today with questions about how aggressive the Warriors will be this offseason, the draft, and then some free agent targets. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and follow me at WC Goldberg to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's jump right into it. This question comes from Atomic Cowboy, who writes in, Do you think the Warriors make an aggressive move in the offseason, like going after a top 20 player in a trade, or do you think they'll wait to see what they have in Clay and a team and wait till the midseason trade deadline? I'll put it this way. If a top 20 player in a trade is available, the Warriors will go after that player. But... I do think that the Warriors are comfortable just seeing what this group looks like with Klay Thompson coming back. You you bring Klay Thompson back. What does he look like in that backcourt with Steph, with Draymond Green? Can Draymond continue playing the way he played at the end of last season? Can you get more from James Wiseman, get a little bit of a leap from him in his second year? Can you get a little bit more of a leap from Jordan Poole going into his third year? What does Juan Descano Anderson look like in that sixth-man, seventh-man type of role? What more can you do to supplement those guys on this roster. I think the Warriors are very comfortable. Andrew Wiggins coming back. I think this team is more than comfortable just saying, you know what, let's bring Clay back. We've got some draft picks. We have a mid-level exception. We have some things we can do. And let's let's see what this looks like with a full squad. They're more than comfortable doing that, not just for this offseason off season and this season, but I think they're comfortable going in that direction just in the future. right? They're, this is not a team that thinks that they absolutely need to add another superstar. This is not a front office that believes that they need another Kevin Durant type of acquisition, right? Just because it happened once doesn't mean they think that it needs to happen again. And I know that there's a lot of speculation around these Warriors and if they'll do that. But that said, if a top player is available, the Warriors do view themselves as a destination for such a player. They think of themselves as among the top franchises in the league, a team and an organization that a star, a top 20 type of player, would want to play for if that player were seeking to play with a championship type of organization, a contender. And as long as they have Steph and Draymond playing like this, the Warriors view themselves as a potential contender. So in the spirit of this question, I went through and decided, all right, what would the top what are the top 20 players in the NBA right now? And which of those players could conceivably become available? So I'll start with I'll start with my 20th best player and then Count basically down to, to number one. And I'm not going to include Steph because the Warriors already have Steph. So I think you've got, you know, a group of Carl Anthony Towns, Drew Holiday, Bam Adebayo, Julius Randle, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, those kinds of guys. That's all. Those are the kind of guys that are in that 20 range, neither of whom are going to be available anytime soon. I know, like, look, Donovan Mitchell, Utah's, that's their future. Uh, Julius Randle, the Knicks are are building around Julius Randle. Bam Adebayo, the Heat are building around Bam. 
Drew Holiday just got traded to Milwaukee, signed an extension. I know some Warriors fans think, and, and I was even asked for this mailbag episode, what about Carl Anthony Towns? I don't think he's going anywhere unless he demands a trade, and I just don't see that happening right now, especially with the way that the Timberwolves ended last year, which was playing pretty well. And I think they want to see what this looks like with Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell healthy for a full season, what they can do with the other uh, positions on that roster. And I think Carl Anthony Towns wants to see it through for at least another year. So I don't see Cat getting traded anytime soon. So beyond that group, the 20th best player in the league I have is Devin Booker. Then I have Bradley Beal, Rudy Gobert, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, Paul George. So that's 15 through 20. After that, Zion Williamson, Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic. That's 10 through 15. Now, among that group, I know there's been a lot of conversation about Bradley Beal, speculation about what his future looks like. It, it, everything is pointing to Beal staying in Washington, given how the Wizards ended their year. But that could change, right? We've seen players, even after a strong end of a season and f- some feel-good stuff, change their minds in the summer. But for now, it looks like Beal is staying put. Paul George signed that extension with the Clippers, but if Kawhi Leonard wants to walk away this offseason, they could conceivably trade Paul George and just launch into a full-scale rebuild. If that were the case, the Warriors would obviously be interested in Paul George. And then there's Damian Lillard. There's been plenty of talk around Damian Lillard as of late. If he decides that he wants out of Portland saying, hey, you know what? It's just not working here. You're not going to hire the coach that I want, which is Jason Kidd. I don't know. I don't I don't know what more I can do for you in Portland. Maybe he seeks a return back to Oakland, his hometown. Uh, that could conceivably happen. Uh, but I think we're a long way from Lillard demanding a trade. And that's, by the way, the only way the Trailblazers... Like, the Trailblazers will not decide to trade Damian Lillard on their own and just rebuild. No. Mid-market, small-market team... Damian Lillard is one of the 10 best players, 10 or 11 best players in the league, MVP, perennial MVP candidate, uh, greatest player in franchise history, arguably. You're not just trading him just to trade him. Uh, I don't think there's that much value in a rebuild. You can knock the Trailblazers for not advancing in the playoffs very much during Lillard's tenure, but at least they make the playoffs every year. And again, for a small market team, that's very valuable. It's a lot of money there. Uh, all right, so top 10. Luka Doncic, Anthony Davis, James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Steph Curry is somewhere in that mix. Those are my top 10 guys. Top 10 players in the league. Of that group, only Kawhi is really the Kawhi is really the only player who could be conceivably acquired anytime soon. He's a free agent this year. He's going to make a decision. We'll see what happens with this Clippers Jazz series. Obviously, if Kawhi were a free agent, he would be a player the Warriors would want, but it would be very difficult, nearly impossible, to get Kawhi. The only way, I mean, that the Warriors could get him is, is via sign-and-trade, and that would require a full-scale teardown. It would require them getting under the hard cap and all these things, and that's just, it's not very doable for the Warriors. I mean, it would require a full-scale rebuild basically around Steph and Kawhi, and that's it, right? It would be Steph, Kawhi, and then you're building your team around those two. Uh, seems very difficult, and I don't know that Kawhi would want to go to Golden State at this point. Um, so that that those are kind of the top twenty players. I think if any of those guys were to become available, I kind of I listed twenty five to be honest. But if any of those guys were to become available, the Warriors would put a trade package in of uh, these two lottery picks that they have coming up: James Wiseman, Andrew Wiggins for salary matching purposes, most likely. And that would be their package that they could offer. And they've got other second-round picks and maybe some future firsts that they could throw in there too, okay? 
But that's that's and maybe some role players like they could throw in a Jordan Poole and stuff like that, a Juan Descano Anderson if they if they if they want or if they feel like that would get them over the top. But the the core of that package would be the two lottery picks and James Wiseman and then Andrew Wiggins for salary matching purposes. I think that's a really competitive package. But it also depends on that superstar player that they're trying to acquire wanting to play for the Warriors, right? Because that's the other half of this. Player superstars get to choose where they want to play nowadays. Right, Brooklyn didn't have the best offer for James Harden, but James Harden wanted to be on the Nets. So he's on the Nets, and the Rockets got basically nothing back for him. So wherever superstars want to play, they'll get to. That's one part of it. And 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 But the, but the Warriors do have an enticing trade pack. I don't know that it's the best. Oklahoma City has every first-round pick for the next 75 years. right? New Orleans has a bunch of first-round picks. Boston could put Jalen Brown on the table. Philadelphia could put Ben Simmons on the table. Better, those players are better than any prospects or picks that the Warriors have if they were to put them on the table. So there's stuff, there's other teams that could put together enticing offers, but the Warriors' offer of two of two lottery picks and, and James Wiseman is pretty good, but I don't know that it's, it's the best. Uh, coming up, how does Damian Lillard feel about watching teams like the Suns surpass his Blazers? This is Locked on Warriors. You're the hiring expert for your company, and what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews all in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hiring time by 27%, you could choose from more than 130 skills tests then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for the applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed, get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post to Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked, Indeed.com slash locked, offer valid through June 30th, terms and conditions apply. Support for today's show also comes from Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but unlike most protein bars, it actually tastes good and it's good for you. Built Bar is great for health conscious men and women, whether you want to maintain or lose weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great if you're on the keto or another low-carb diet, and they have nine different flavors available now and always creating and releasing new, exciting flavors. Built Bar has been with us for a long time, and I've been eating Built Bars for a long time, usually in the late afternoon between lunch and dinner. It's a good way to give me the boost I need to finish up work. And like I said, Built Bar has been friends of the show for a year now, and we appreciate the partnership that we've built. So support the show by supporting those who support us. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED1515 and you'll get 15% off on your next order. Again, use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Mid-level exception writes in, how do you think Dame feels watching Phoenix's ascent? Portland has been scrapping and clawing in that 7-8 seed range for years, including when Phoenix was trash. Now Phoenix laps them with a relatively painless trade. 
Chris Paul, and a mid-level signing in Jay Crowder. Look, I think if you're Damian Lillard, you have to be concerned with what you're seeing happen in the Western Conference around you, not only with the Phoenix Suns ascending to the top of the Western Conference, but with Denver at the top of the West. I know they just got swept by Phoenix, but they'll get Jamal Murray back. They've got the MVP in Nikola Jokic. They've traded for Aaron Gordon. They've made really good acquisitions, and they are building a foundation for the future. They're going to be around for a long time. You've got the Clippers and the Lakers ascending since you've been in Portland back to the top of the Western Conference. You've got a team like Dallas with Luka Doncic building what they have around him. You've got Zion Williamson in New Orleans. If you're Damian Lillard, you're looking around and you're like, are we go- is, is the Portland Trailblazers an organization that's improving anytime soon? Or is this an organization that's on the downside? And I think anybody objectively would say, Portland's on the downside. Like That's not a team that looks like they're improving in any meaningful way anytime soon. They've gone all in on the Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum backcourt that is problematic for a lot of ways, uh, reasons, specifically on defense. Uh, they've never been able to figure out how to put a top 10 defense around Damian Lillard. And they've never figured out how to give him enough of a uh, uh, help offensively so that he doesn't have to carry the, that, that organization like Steph had to carry the offense this whole last year. Like, Damian Lillard's been doing that for years. What Steph did this last year, that's basically what Damian Lillard has been asked to do for every single year of his career. So if you're Damian Lillard, you're looking around, you're like, why am I here? And there's this idea that Damian Lillard is so loyal to Portland and all these things, and I don't really know where it comes from. I mean, I know he's said that he wants to be with the Trailblazers forever or whatever. Like, okay, players have said that for years, and then they've left. So I don't. that doesn't matter to me. Like, that's... that. You could say I want to be here for years. I, I want to be here for 10 years, 20 years, finish my career and with X team, X organization, and X city, whatever. I don't care. Players have been saying that for years, and then they leave two months later. So that doesn't matter. What, what Damian Lillard says about that does not matter. So where does this idea come from that he's so extremely loyal and would never leave Portland? And all these, I don't know where it comes from. I have no idea where it comes from. So let's not write off the idea that Lillard could leave. Now, I do think that we're several steps away from him demanding a trade. But if he's looking around the Western Conference, and this is not even including the powers that have emerged in the East, if he's looking around in the Western Conference, I don't think that he could objectively feel good about the direction that Portland is heading in. Daniel writes in, how much do multiple long series take out of a team in the playoffs, especially an older team like the Clippers? Uh, I think if you just look at these playoffs, none of the final four teams last year are in the playoffs this year. And there's a lot of reasons for that, most notably that none of those teams really had an offseason. They had like, you know, three or four weeks, and then they had to go back into the regular season. A lot of injuries to the Lakers. Denver lost Jamal Murray, right? Miami dealt with injuries all year long. Boston definitely took a step back. They were not the team that they were last playoffs that they were in these playoffs. But, um, you know, I, I do think that historically long series takes a lot of team maybe not as much as last year to this year but even the Warriors their own run I mean five straight runs to the finals by the 2019 NBA finals guys that team was exhausted and you could chalk up the Kevin Durant injury to dumb luck Clay Thompson's injury to dumb luck that yeah it's bad luck that that those guys got hurt when they did but hard to believe that the grind of five straight trips to the finals didn't contribute to those injuries in some way. I mean, it's just so much wear and tear. I mean, you look at LeBron through his career. He's basically played three more regular seasons of just playoff games. And you see the wear and tear that's uh, affected him this year too. So, um, yeah, I think I think multiple long series takes a lot out of a team in the playoffs. And if you look like at a team like the Clippers, 
I don't know how much the Clippers have been impacted. They still have their top two guys in Kawhi and Paul George. The only major injury that they're dealing with is Serge Ibaka. So I don't know that the Clippers have been all that affected, and especially because last year they didn't go very far. They didn't make it to the conference finals. So I'm not sure a team like the Clippers is impacted all that much, but you could see how a lot of teams have been impacted in these playoffs. Uh, Eduardo writes in, in your mock drafts, you've picked players like Don, uh, Davion Mitchell excuse me, and Wagner uh, because they can help now. But barring any trades, do you think the Warriors will go this direction with both picks, or might they still go for more upside with one pick despite uh, the Wiseman experiment last season? It's a good question. I think that the Warriors' main need is guys who can immediately contribute to a team that is trying to contend and make the playoffs, by the way. They're trying to make the playoffs for the first time in a couple of years now. So maybe, I, I don't know that it's set in stone. I don't know that Bob Myers and the rest of his front office are saying, hey, no, we need two guys. If we end up with two lottery picks, we need two guys who can contribute immediately. Or we need one guy who's a immediate contributor and another guy who's more of a long-term project. I don't, I don't think the Warriors view it that way. I think you just go into it and say, who are our favorite prospects? Uh, and, and there's a lot of things that go into that, right? It's not black and white, guys. It's These are our favorite prospects for a lot of reasons, because the ceiling is this, because the floor is this, because our team needs are these, and all these things. And all that, all that stuff turns into an ultimate big board. And if you're the Warriors and you end up with, say, picks number 7 and 14, that at number 7 you're going to take the guy who's at the top of your board, and at number 14 you're going to take the guy at the top of your board. And maybe at the end of the day, that ends up being two guys who are immediate contributors or or a guy who maybe projects to be more of a long-term project. But two guys, you're, you're going to take the two guys who you most believe in when your pick is up. So I don't think it's cut and dry uh, that way. Support for today's episode comes from Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA playoffs are on, and even though the Warriors aren't a part of it, you can be. Take a look at the spreads, money lines, over unders, and more at Bet Online. For tonight, I love the Sixers at minus three versus the Hawks. The 76ers have figured out how to guard Trey Young and the rest of the Hawks' um, threats on offense. I think they're just simply better than Atlanta. Look, last week was tough. We went 0-2-1, two losses and a push last week. Let's try to get back on the winning page this week. I love the Sixers at minus three tonight against Atlanta. BetOnline also covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all of the news scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you're going to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Maddie writes in, "Who's the most realistic mid-level signing if we don't move James Wiseman? We lose out on Kelly Oubre and there's no signing." That's a really interesting question, and the truth is, I don't, I don't know who the most realistic few guys that I would be going after if I were the Warriors. Uh, Kelly Olynyk from Houston. I think he'd be a nice fit as your third big in some uh, part of the rotation. A guy who can space the floor with his three-point shot, play make. You know, this guy, he's a guy who played point guard in high school. Uh, obviously a natural uh, playmaking feel. Defensively, there's a lot lacking there. Rebounding, he's not a great rebounder. But if he's just one of three centers, I think he'd be a nice fit and he would fill in a lot of uh, voids that the Warriors have in that center rotation. Kevon Looney is your rebounder defender. James Wiseman is your rebounder athletic vertical threat. Kelly Olenek could be a, a playmaking presence and a floor spacer for you at the five. 
Uh, I think Patty Mills would be a great fit for this team too. I think a guy who can play make for you a little bit off the bench so you don't have to put it all on Jordan Poole, could space the floor, veteran presence, playoff experience, all those things. Wayne Ellington is another guy that comes to mind. But as far as realistic mid-level exception signings, I don't know. I don't know who these guys are, right? We'll see what happens, how it shakes out this offseason. But the Warriors are going to have a ton of competition for these guys, right? Because they don't have any cap space. And every team like the Lakers, the Clippers, Brooklyn, New York, Miami, all these teams, these coastal elite teams, were in the postseason this year. And the Warriors weren't. And they're all going to have the mid-level exception available, if not more than that. Uh, so when the Warriors were in the midst of their dynasty and their finals runs, they weren't competing with those coastal elite teams at all. The Lakers were still waiting for LeBron and Anthony Davis. The Clippers were irrelevant. The Knicks were losers. The Nets were irrelevant. Miami was still rebuilding after their own Big 3 experience. Now all of those teams are good, and the Warriors are the team that have missed out on the playoffs two years straight. So ring-chasing bets aren't going to look just at the Warriors. They're going to look at all these coastal elite franchises that have had more success than the Warriors have had recently. Tom writes in, does the playoff success of DeAndre Ayton, Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert, and Joel Embiid make Bob Myers rethink any trade offers that involve James Wiseman, especially as his first-year stats are comparable to some of these players? I don't know that the success of a guy like Ayton, Jokic, who just won MVP, and all those other guys, makes Bob Myers rethink anything. Because when you look at those players in those circumstances— they were on teams that allowed them time to develop, right? This is the first time the Suns have been to the conference final, Western Conference Finals since 2010. They've been bad for years. They drafted DeAndre Ayton at number one, and he had nothing but time with Devin Booker to develop. And then they make the Chris Paul acquisition this year and the Monty Williams hire a couple of years ago. And then they ascend to the top of the West. But they gave a guy like DeAndre Ayton time. And you look at DeAndre Ayton, the way he played his first two years, he had a long rope. He was able to put up shots. He was able to experiment. He was able to do all these different things. And it was this year, and a lot has been written about this, but it was, uh, uh, and I think the Zach Lowe's column for ESPN.com a couple weeks ago about how he had to sacrifice some of those things and take on a role where he was just going to be a pick-and-roll threat and a rebounder and really embrace that role. Well, James Wiseman hasn't gotten that kind of time, right? He hasn't gotten the chance to sort of experiment with what he can do in the NBA. And I think young players need that time, That's that, that, that couple-of-year period where, hey, let me see what I can do against NBA players on an NBA stage. And then when it becomes winning time, when my developmental curve has flattened out a little bit, then I could decide to cut some things back and, and maybe play a role that's better for winning overall. And that's just historically things that top picks need time to do. Nikola Jokic is the same way. I mean, this guy, first of all, he's a second-round pick, very different than Wiseman's uh, uh, you know, background. But with Jokic, he was sharing a front court with uh, Yusuf Nurkic for years. And he was coming off the bench, Jokic was. And it wasn't until a couple of years that Denver decided to put him in the starting lineup and they took off from there. But Jokic needed years and years and years of seasoning. Rudy Gobert, you know, 20 something pick in the draft. He needed years to get to where he was. Joel Embiid, you know, hardly played the first three or four years of his career, but now he's at an MVP level, but it took years of Phoenix rebuilding and famously with the process. Like they, that was not a team that when they drafted Joel Embiid was ready to contend right away. Very different for James Wiseman. So if anything, 
I think Bob Myers can look at those guys and say, you know what? Even though they were a little rough at first, it worked out for them. But do we have the time and the resources and the opportunity available to James Wiseman to allow him that same sort of learning curve, that same sort of rope that those guys were able to take advantage of earlier in their careers? And I would argue that the Warriors don't have that because they're trying to win right now with Steph and Draymond and Clay and Wiggins and these guys. I would argue the Warriors don't have that. So what the front office, this organization, needs to figure out with Wiseman is, can we sort of skip that part? And can James Wiseman develop the way we need him to develop in limited playing time, in a limited role right away? And can we start to experiment a little bit in that and not give him so much leeway the way that those guys did? It's a, it's a really hard question to answer, maybe even impossible. But I don't think that their success, the players like that, determine what the Warriors need to do with Wiseman. If anything, maybe it says, hey, these teams are really good, and maybe we can't wait for Wiseman. Bot Exemplary writes in, I don't get the fascination with Davion Mitchell. He looks like an outlier shooting year for him. Uh, He'll be a great defender, an intangibles guy, but not a lottery guy for me. I love Giddy. I have him top five. Then Average Clone Trooper writes in, thoughts on Josh Giddy and Davion Mitchell as draft prospects for the Warriors. So this is in reference to the last two uh, mock drafts, lottery mock drafts that we've done in the Lockdown Podcast Network. And in both mock drafts, I took Davion Mitchell and uh, Franz Wagner out of Michigan. In the first one, I think I took Wagner first and then Mitchell at 14. And then the last one, I ended up taking Mitchell at 8. And then Wagner was still on the board at 14, so I just took him again. So I got the two players, just different spots, uh, but the two same players in both mock drafts. I love Davion Mitchell as a prospect. I don't think that that year was an outlier shooting year for him. And even if it is, um, this guy, he's a great ball handler, great on ball defender, great off ball defender, great instincts, awesome competitor. Uh, and, and I think he's got enough in his game where, yeah, maybe he's never going to be a knockdown shooter, right? At the NBA level, even though he shot 45% from three point range as a junior, but, um, on a nice sample too, almost 153 point attempts. Uh, but I think he, there's enough in his game. Otherwise, and for Wagner, I love his ability to uh, hit shots consistently. He's actually a, a much more proven perimeter shooter, very high-level playmaker, uh, high basketball IQ player, uh, great off-ball defense, great feel for the game, all these things. Doesn't have the upside of like a go-to score, but as I reason in these mock drafts, the Warriors don't need a go-to score. They have that. They have Steph. They don't need a go-to ball handler. They have that in Draymond Green. And they're going to have Clay Thompson coming back. You just need a guy who can kind of be their Joe Ingles, right? Maybe a sixth-man, seventh-man type, guy who can attack off uh, uh, off of closeouts, you know, make the most on, on the weak side of the offense when most defenses are going to be uh, following whatever it is that Steph is doing. I think uh, Wagner has a really good opportunity to do that. But I, but I like Josh Giddey. He's been the riser of the draft recently. Um, still some of the same questions that some of you guys have with Davion Mitchell. This is a guy who, but but unlike Davion Mitchell, uh, didn't have even an anomaly year from three-point range. He shot 31% from three-point range last year. Uh, but he's a really great playmaker, uh, great height at 6'8", kind of this year's um, Denny Avdia in my mind, right? Questionable, shaky outside jumper, but really good playmaker, great size, great feel for the game, love his competitiveness, all these things. A lot of skill there. I like Josh Giddy. I think he'd be a nice fit. I think he would uh, fill in some of the things that the Warriors are looking for. I just like Davion Mitchell and Franz Wagner a little bit more. 
Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and say nice things about the show. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email them to me at wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Thanks to everybody who submitted questions for this week's mailbag. It's much appreciated. Now get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening.